This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 56. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. On today's episode, we're talking with Nicole Calloway-Rankins. Nicole is a wife, a mother, a physician, an OBGYN, and an integrative health coach. After several years of practicing medicine and engaging in clinical research, Nicole became frustrated that she could make recommendations to improve the health of her patients, but due to lack of time and training, she was not actually helping women implement those recommendations into their busy lives. She also came to understand that health is much more than what happens in the doctor's office. She understands that to be truly healthy and well, an integrative approach is needed that considers how emotional, social, environmental, spiritual, and physical health interact. In support of this whole person approach to health, Nicole completed a science-grounded and evidence-based training program in integrative health coaching at Duke Integrative Medicine. She now helps women reach their best health and wellness through both her health coaching practice and her work as an OBGYN hospitalist. As an integrative health coach, she is an advocate, collaborator, accountability partner, and trusted confidant in helping women reach their health goals like losing weight, eating better, exercising more, or reducing stress. As an OBGYN hospitalist, she specializes in the care of hospitalized women, where most of her work is helping ensure women have a safe, enjoyable, and fulfilling experience during labor and delivery. Nicole and her husband, Falcon, reside in Richmond, Virginia with their two daughters. I have to say, this was a really fun interview today talking with Nicole. I got to hear what she loves about being an OBGYN things that maybe she doesn't always love about being an OBGYN. And then I got to hear about the amazing addition to her career when she added in 
her work as an integrative health coach. So I have to admit, I was not super familiar with what an integrative health coach did before this interview. So I was really fascinated by what Nicole had to say. Nicole is, and her work as an integrative health coach is filling a huge hole in the medical profession and the health profession. So if you are someone who wants to take better care of yourself, but you can't figure out how to do that. And you go to your doctor and they give you ideas or they give you like, you know, quick little snippets of advice, but don't actually help you implement something. Nicole's work is going to be for you. Same thing if you like have a gym membership, but you find that you have good intentions, but things don't just always work out and you need some help clarifying goals, setting goals, having some good parameters around goal setting. Nicole is totally your person. So I think you're going to be really fascinated by her work as an OBGYN and as an integrative health coach. And I think that you'll also be excited to know that she actually has a little surprise offering for anyone who would want to check out her services. So she kindly is offering a discount to all of our listeners if they would like to do a little trial in working with her. So I was so fascinated with this conversation with Nicole. She shares a great deal about her experience as an OBGYN, the things that she loves, the things she doesn't love so much. We talked about how much does a doctor really like getting pooped on? So really fun information there. We also talked about her very unique birth experiences, especially with her firstborn. So that was a great story to hear. Like, what is it like for a doctor to go through a labor and delivery doctor to go through labor and delivery? Really fascinating story that definitely will pull on your heartstrings a little bit, especially if you were someone who had a traumatic birth experience. Traumatic birth experiences can be, they leave their mark on a woman for a really long time. So, you know, the outcome for Nicole was a really positive outcome, which is fantastic. And she's going to talk about that, but she's going to talk about what that experience was like for her. Additionally, she's going to talk about the amazing work that integrative health coaches are doing. I have to admit, I was not aware of this profession. I think I've heard the title before, but it was definitely not something I was very with. And I'm just blown away by the way that Nicole and the integrative health coaching community are really filling a hole in the industry between like the medical industry and then the health wellness industry. It's really powerful stuff. So if you're someone who feels like maybe you don't get what you want from your doctor quite all the way, and then you maybe don't get what you want from your gym quite all the way, this is a place where Nicole can bridge the gap for you. And integrative health coaches are doing a phenomenal job kind of bringing together pieces of the medical industry and the health industry and all those pieces together where they can combine nutrition and fitness and wellness and health all in one place with some really good medical and scientific background evidence and research. So really powerful stuff. Please listen in, learn a lot, and then listen at the very end. Nicola actually has a really generous offer for anyone who's interested in working with her and seeing if they might be a good fit for someone who might need a little bit more guidance. If you feel like maybe you're not getting what you need from your doctor, maybe you're not getting what you need from your gym or exercise environment, Nicole could really help you bridge the gap and help you with some really great specialized goal setting that would be super relevant and individualized just for you. So listen in. This is a fun interview. Nicole is a great woman, and I'm excited for you to hear her story. So let's dive in. Nicole Rankins, thank you so much for joining us here on the Shameless Mom Academy. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Oh, I'm excited. And so you have been a practicing OBGYN for how long and hospitalist? Yeah, so I've been in practice for about 10 years now. It's hard to believe time really flies. And do you know how many babies you've delivered? <laughs> oh, good grief. Do you lose uh, count? <laughs> I am probably in the thousand or so range. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So I worked in high school. It was 
was funny when you first sent over your email, I was kind of laughing at my past life because in high school, I worked for an OBGYN office and huh. I actually, and then I would come home in the summers. I did it like spring break or not spring breaks, but uh, winter breaks and then a couple summers in college as well. And I worked for three doctors and I remember... I loved the idea that they were delivering babies, but there was a lot of stuff I just didn't want to know. And I worked with this other young woman who was like always asking questions about like different instruments and tools around the office. And I was like, I just don't want to know what that does. Like, that's kind of scary. <laughs> so, and she was like, like super, I mean, she was probably like a pre-med student. She wanted to know about everything. Right, like, it was super What is curious. that thing? What do you do with that? Yeah. That looks, and it was that like, looks sharp and long. Right. Yes. <laughs> Big metal things. I was like, I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say I do have a few friends who are labor and delivery nurses and it sounds uh-huh. like just such an amazing job. So I'm sure it, it brings you tremendous joy. It does. It does for sure. I love my job. You know, it's hard not to love helping bring babies into this world. And it's really a privilege being part of that process. So I love it. So what do you love? What's the best thing about being, let's go best and worst. So we'll start with the, what's the best thing about delivering babies? Oh, I would say the best thing about delivering babies specifically is probably that moment when women are, you know, close to the end and they're pushing and they say, I can't do this. I can't do it. It's too much. It's too much. And then they just take it, they find their center and then they just do it. And the baby delivers and it's a beautiful moment and they're so happy and proud of themselves. And they're like, I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I could do it. And it's like, you did it. I you know. did this. And that's always a wonderful moment to see. And does, does everyone, because I feel like every mother I know went through that of like thinking there's no way I can do this. Does everyone go through that? Or are there some people who feel a little more confident? <laughs> I would say most women go through okay. that. Maybe not all, but certainly most. <laughs> I uh, delivered naturally and which I'm, oh, wow. I'm I'm not sure I would recommend, but I was, <laughs> so I delivered naturally and I remember going into it. I was like, well, I read all like the books on natural birth and like, I'm pretty right. strong and I can do some deep breathing. Like, and I remember telling my doctor yeah. this and she was like, okay, but, and I even, I read the um, hypnobirthing book and she was like, that's right. really nice that you read that book, but you have to practice hypnobirthing techniques for like months in advance if you want them to work. And I was right. like 38 weeks pregnant when I read the book. <laughs> so, like, uh... so yeah, she's like, that's really nice that you read the book but you're probably still going to feel pain. And I was like, no, I think I got it. I think I got it. And then I was like, I mean, before I even started dilating, the minute I had contractions, I was like, oh my gosh, like, right, this is not right. what I expected. <laughs> very rude. So uh, I'm sure there's devastating moments in your practice well, but are there any things that kind of in the worst moments, not necessarily sad, but just were like screamers or women who are like belligerent or anything like that, where you just feel a little overwhelmed and at a loss? You know, screaming doesn't really bother me. I understand like labor is painful. So lots of women scream. That doesn't really bother me. I shouldn't say it bothers me, but it it does humble me at times when I get like bodily fluids and, (laughs) you know, urine and poop and yeah. Women accidentally passing gas in my face. Oh my god! (laughs) During the delivery. So that's um, so funny. Yeah. So those aren't always the brightest moments, but they they certainly keep me me humble. And then there are there are unfortunately some sad moments where people have bad outcomes, but unfortunately those are few and far between. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure that once you go through that, I'm sure early in your practice you go through those horrible experiences so that you can be helpful in helping families cope with that after the fact. Is that the case that you kind of feel like you have, I don't want to say a routine, but that you have something kind of built in and ready to go in the event that you do need to help a family through a really rough situation? 
Yeah, you do have a certain, it's definitely not a routine, but things you, you say and you right. to help comfort the family, but it's hard every single time. Yeah. And every single time it brings on tears because it's yeah. just a, it's just a really difficult time when a family loses a baby. Oh yeah. My husband and I are going through IVF and I've noticed <laughs> with the nursing staff at the hospital that we're using, I notice how careful they are with their words and how sensitive they are with their words. And one of the nurses just came back from maternity leave and she came in kind of in the middle of my IVF cycle. And so she came back and I hadn't met her yet. And she said, Oh, uh, you know, I'm Alyssa and I haven't met you yet. I've been out on leave. And I thought in my mind, I'm like, she's probably been out on maternity leave, but you probably don't go into the fertility clinic and tell all the patients that you've exactly. been out on maternity And so then a right. couple of weeks later, one of the other nurses mentioned something about like, Oh, Alyssa has to go pump or something. And I was like, I knew it. I thought it was so thoughtful and considerate that she was careful with her wording and sensitive to her patients and that she kind of kept her personal life separate. Although I'm like nosy and I wanted to know more, but, but I thought that was so kind of her. And I'm sure yeah. that there's situations like that all the time where you just choose your wording really carefully and make sure that everything is about the patient rather than imposing your own experience on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. This episode is supported by Air Doctor. You probably don't know that Americans take in about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. The indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause upper respiratory symptoms like sneezing, coughing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I am so excited that we just got our own Air Doctor for our house, and we will have it all up and running and ready to go in time for all the things that come with spring weather, but also smoke season, which is just around the corner for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. And I know many of you across the country. So here's how you can get your own Air Doctor. First of all, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS and you'll receive up to $300 off of air purifiers. Exclusive to our podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. That's airdoctorpro.com, code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing. And they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So tell us a little bit about, I'm excited to get into health coaching, but I have to hear you had two birth experiences that were not quote unquote, like typical or normal, correct? Very much so correct, Sarah. <laughs> so share a little bit about that because I'm sure, did you go into pregnancy and childbirth thinking like, I know this all, this is what I do all the time. And were you expecting kind of like textbook stuff from yourself? Oh girl, let me tell you what happened with that. So <laughs> For my first one, I was a particularly anxious mother. Like I was just anxious about what was going to happen and, and what was, you know, just worried. I used to ultrasound myself. I probably shouldn't say that, but I used to ultrasound myself. And then (laughs) were you nervous because Um, of what you had seen? And so you knew all the possibilities? That was part of it, but I was just, I don't know. I was just really anxious about everything and just making sure that everything went okay. And then I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I need to stop ultrasounding myself, like stop it, calm down. Things are going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And literally that day when I finally got to that realization, we had an ultrasound appointment. And at that ultrasound appointment, I found out that our daughter had an intestinal malformation, something called duodenal atresia. Oh, my gosh. So it's a really rare condition. It's like one in 6,000 to one in 10,000 pregnancies. And basically what it is, is that her stomach wasn't connected to the lower the rest of the intestines. So kids with it can eat, but it just stays in the stomach. It has nowhere to go. Oh. Um, so they have to have surgery after birth to connect the intestines back together. And of course, that was unanticipated, you know, felt like I got hit by a brick kind of thing. But then we met with the pediatric surgeon and he was like, no, it's, you know, it's okay. These kids are born full term. They have surgery. They go home after a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, that's okay. All right. So we're, we got a plan. It's not going to be too bad. It's going to get fixed. And then I went into labor eight weeks early. (gasps) Oh, so went into labor, couldn't be stopped. So our first daughter was delivered by C-section exactly 32 weeks. Wow. And then <laughs> the C-section. So when we do C-sections as OBGYNs, we do this little test in the beginning. And I had to have a C-section because our heart rate was kept dropping. And so we do this little test in the beginning where we clamp the skin with a sharp instrument and see if the patient can feel it. And when they clamped my skin, I said, I can feel that. Like, I, I can feel oh my this. Gosh. So oh my gosh. I could feel the clamp, but because our heart rate was dropping, they went ahead. Yeah. I felt it when they cut. It oh was, my gosh. It was bad. So then the anesthesiologist gave me an IV dose of medicine that just made me kind of loopy and all this kind of stuff. So got through that experience and she had surgery when she was three days old. Everything went fine. She was in the NICU for about a month 
And her NICU course was pretty uncomplicated, but it was still really hard having a baby in the NICU. Yeah. And for so long, I, I cried every day. Finally had to tell myself, okay, Nicole, you can cry three times a day. Oh Otherwise, you're going to spend the entire day crying. Oh. So, I, so I limited myself to crying three times a day. And were you crying um, because you were scared or just because you couldn't be like, because it wasn't what you imagined or what brought on the tears? Yeah. So I was scared. She was so tiny. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, she's super cute now, but she just <laughs> looks sort of funny. And she was like, oh my God, is she gonna, what is she going to look like when she grows up? I don't, you know. So oh my just, God. Because oh, how much did she weigh? She weighed three pounds, six ounces. Because tiny little babies like that are like big heads, tiny bodies, right? Sarah, her head was so big. It, it, it was so big. And <laughs> yeah, just... I've known a couple people who've had preemies and the heads, like they grow into them. It all they works do. out. But initially, I'm sure that's like... frightening. Yes, yes, yes. And then people are kind of expecting that because I'm a physician, like we know something. I mean, I remember the surgeon saying, you you know, you're intelligent people and you can take the baby home and just call, you know, call us if anything goes wrong. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't know what to do with a oh little baby. God. Like I'm an OBGYN, like help, you know, please don't say that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just a lot. Oh my gosh. Wow. That sounds, so she was there for a month. And when, when you have a baby in the NICU, you can be there during the day, but not at night. Is that correct? Or can you be no, there around the clock? You can be there almost all the time. Okay. We stay with her many hours during the day. Usually went to visit her for a few hours in the morning and a few hours in the evening every day, twice a day. Okay. Okay. And then you slept at home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm sure is like best for everyone, but probably so hard to leave at night and just trust that all these other people are going to do their job and do all the right things while you're gone. Well, definitely. But the NICU nurses are phenomenal. Yeah. So they just make you feel very comforted. You can call anytime in the middle of the night if you have a concern about anything. So they make you feel very comfortable with your baby being in their care. Yeah. So then you went through all that and she came home. How old was she when she came Mm -hmm. home? She was almost exactly one month old. Okay. And then did you think you were going to have another child or was that like, did that terrify you into like maybe wanting to be done with one? You know, we hadn't really put that much thought in it. When you have a preemie baby, you're so focused on feeding. We had to feed her every three hours for four, six months, something like that. It was just feed and grow, feed and grow, feed and grow. So that's what we were focused on. And then I would say as she got bigger and things sort of were progressing and she was doing fine, maybe around eight or nine months, we're like, okay, maybe we should try and have another baby. Okay. Wow. At eight or nine months, you were thinking that? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm laughing at myself who has decided now as my son is almost four, I'm like, maybe I can be ready. <laughs> so interesting. I'm like fascinated by the psychology behind having a second child. Right, right. Some people right. are ready in that first year after having their first, they're like, I think I'm good now. I'm ready. I mean, I was like, there's no way. And even by his second birthday, I was still like, absolutely not. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, we were pretty much like at about a year, we said, okay, I think we're ready for another one. But then after that, we're like, we're done. Two is enough. I got one for each hand. And that's okay. So you had your second. What's their age difference? They're two years apart. Okay. And how was your second pregnancy compared to the first? Second pregnancy, much easier. I was not anxious this time. I had kind of let go that I needed to be so paranoid. She went completely to full term, but I did have to make the decision at the time of delivery, like, am I going to have a scheduled repeat C-section or am I going to try and have a vaginal birth after having had a C-section? And I ended up deciding to 
have a scheduled C-section, but I scheduled it for reasons that I now kind of regret. It was more so because I wanted a particular doctor and that part maybe is not so bad. So I kind of scheduled it for when she was in town. Mm -hmm. But the overarching reason was because it was just more convenient for work. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was running a residency program and a training program for physicians. And I just felt like it would be an inconvenience to my colleagues if, you know, my maternity leave interfered with doing interview seasons for the residency candidates. So I kind of regret making that decision that it was more surrounded around work. So what do you regret about that? Because I don't think that that situation is uncommon. I know that there's a lot of women who schedule C-sections for a lot of reasons. And so in what sense did you regret it? Or was there something that happened afterwards that made you regret it? Or was- I think it's just that, you know, she's our second and last. And I do feel like I would have liked the opportunity to, if I'm honest with myself, I would have liked to try and have a vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. And I know a big level that I'm not missing out anything just because I had two C-sections, but some part of me says like, it feels guilty that I didn't try. Right. I had a friend go through something similar to that and really struggled with that decision with her second as well. And kind of letting go of like, if we do a C-section with the second I won't ever have experienced natural childbirth, which that was a really big deal for her. And it's interesting that for some women, they're like, you know, I've done one C-section. I just want to stick with what I know. And then other women that I understand that that can totally feel like a loss of like, this is my last chance to potentially have this experience. And so deciding one way or the other is is a big deal. And that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah. So I can tell already that medical practice does have, there's it's a big deal to juggle that with family life. So tell us a little bit about, and it probably looks a lot different. How old are your girls now? Six and eight. Okay. So it probably looks different now than it did when they were really little, but how do you juggle being, you're in a hospital environment. So in your pre-interview, you talked about when you're on, you know, you're coming into, you said you're coming into seven days in a row working night shift for 12 hours Mm -hmm. and then you have big chunks of time off. How do you juggle that kind of a schedule and a medical practice and a hospital schedule with a family life? You know, it ends up working out well. I mean, it's a little bit challenging during the nights when I work, but since I work nights and then the girls are in school during the day while I'm asleep, so then I have time to have dinner with them and and hang out with them a little bit in the evening. So it actually works out nice. And then during the times that I'm off, I can do things like field trips and do things at their school. Now, I wasn't always like this. I've only been a hospitalist for a year. Before that, it was a, a lot more challenging. Okay. And before you were a hospitalist, what was you yeah, so more I, of a nine to five position? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. I worked in a medical school. Okay. So you work exclusively nights now? Uh, exclusively nights. Yeah. Wow. I've done some night. Sh- I, my past career was in a psychiatric hospital working with kids and I worked night shift when I was going through school to become a personal trainer and night shifts are not for the faint of heart. <laughs> There's a lot of benefits. I actually loved the actual work on the night shift. I felt like I don't know, there was something very, I was very productive during the night. And I don't know like what came over me, but I felt really productive. But emotionally, I really struggled with it. Like I would just be an emotional wreck after a few night shifts. And it took me like a couple of weeks to recover every time I did one or two in a row or more than yes. one in a row. It's certainly not for everybody, but I like it. It's not as crowded. It's yeah. a little bit quieter in the hospital. And it's just like me and my L&D nurses, and we're just having a good time and helping deliver babies. So I actually enjoy it. Are more babies born during the night than during the day? It depends on the time of year, but I think it's about even. Okay. It seems like they're always during the night. Right. (laughs) So we did a home birth and I know I've only mentioned it very 
simplistically on this show. I'm actually going to do a whole episode about it at some point. I don't think I would do a home birth again. Everything went great. But like I said, I didn't have drugs. <laughs> but my thing with my home birth is that it was a Sunday night and I'm in Seattle where housing is like all houses are very close to each other. And I was so aware of like it's Sunday night and it's 11 o'clock and my neighbors are trying to go to bed because tomorrow's Monday morning and I am screaming bloody murder in my <laughs> bedroom. And, like that was my biggest concern was just getting this baby out so I didn't keep the neighbors up. And the next day, right. or not the next day, but the next time I saw the neighbors, I was like, I hope you guys, and they didn't hear, they said they didn't hear anything. They were probably just being nice. But <laughs> I was so worried. I was like, I have to get the baby out. Like I cannot deliver this baby in the middle of the night because the whole neighborhood will think that I'm like being abused. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd be curious to hear your show on home birth. That's a hot topic in OBGYN right I now. I know. You know, and it, yeah, I feel really grateful. My doctor, who's a naturopath midwife, followed me really closely and we felt like everything was really safe and it was a lowest pregnancy and everything. But it's interesting how my opinion on that has changed now that I have a child. And I felt I did a lot of research in advance and I felt really confident going into it. But there's something about already now that I am a parent, if I were to do it again, I think I'd be a lot more scared of a home birth. I think I have a different sense of what's on the line if something goes wrong than I had before actually having a child. Not that I wasn't obsessed with my baby before he was born because I totally was, but it's just a little different now that I I know what being a parent is all about. So yeah, I think I probably do it a little differently second time around, but I don't have any regrets except for that it hurt so bad and there was no way out except for to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And you did it. Yeah, and I did it. Oh my God. (laughs) It was not fun though. (laughs) So you decided, and you'll have to tell me the timeline, you have now integrated health coach and you integrated that into your medical practice. So tell us a little bit about what inspired that because, you know, with two kids and a medical practice, I would think you were kind of busy. So a little bit, yeah, kind of grow even more professionally. Yeah. So when I was prior to being a hospitalist, I worked in a private practice kind of situation and I was just really frustrated that in 15 or 20 minutes, I didn't have the time. And really, as a physician, you don't have training to help women actually implement the recommendations that you give to them to make lifestyle changes. So I could say you need to reduce your stress or you need to lose weight, but I wasn't really helping women figure out how to do that. And that that was really frustrating to me. So I looked around like, how am I going to have a bit more of a fulfilling work life? And I came across integrative health coaching at, at Duke, and that's where I did my residency training. So ended up going back there and getting trained as an integrative health coach. And what health coaching is all about is helping people make behavior change to improve your lives. So most people, women come to health coaching to help with losing weight or like even like postpartum baby weight, exercising more, changing diet, reducing stress, those kind of things. And the integrative part is that it recognizes that health is more than just not having diseases. There's a lot more that goes into health. There's your physical health, of course, but then there's your emotional health. There's your how your personal and your professional relationships contribute to your health. Your physical environment contributes to your health. Your spirituality or your religion also contributes to your health. So integrative health coaching takes all of those things into account and considers how they impact, say, how you want to lose weight. That makes so much sense. And I love that you recognized a little 
kind of the problem with the system in terms of uh, medical care and those short appointments and being able to meet needs in that short amount of time. Because I do think that is such a flaw of the medical system. And I know so much of that is dictated by insurance and so many other outside factors that are just way beyond your control. But yeah, so I have a gym here in Seattle. And one of the biggest struggles with my weight loss clients is they're like, well, I went to the doctor and everything came back normal. So I have to like kind of push them for, well, what got tested? Like how thorough and complete was this testing? Because there's like the things that you get done in an annual exam. And those aren't always the things that are going to clue into why you aren't losing weight. And so, I mean, everything that you mentioned, looking into stress, sleep, the lifestyle habits and all that kind of stuff makes such a big difference. Exactly. How do you work with people then as a health coach? I'm assuming this is when you're at the hospital for your labor and delivery hours in the middle of the night, you're probably not doing health coaching during that time. So is this uh -uh. kind of a completely separate thing then? Yeah, this is totally completely separate, something that I do part-time and it works well for me. It's like I have the best of both worlds. I get to work with women and deliver babies and I get to work with women and helping them reach their health goals. And not, you know, every, most health coaches actually aren't physicians, but many have some medical background. But of course, I bring my medical knowledge to the relationship, even though I'm not acting as a physician when I coach people, have all that background knowledge there. So it definitely helps. That's amazing. I mean, that was such an asset to the coaching, I would think. Yeah, it is. And the other thing I love about health coaching is that it's really individualized. So we spend, as an integrative health coaching, a good amount of time in the beginning helping women, and I just work with women, focus on their vision for their health and the things that they really value. And when you take a moment to see what you value and connect that to your goal, connect that to why you're trying to exercise more or why you're trying to change your diet, maybe it's your family, maybe you're trying to run a marathon or go on a trip, you know, whatever it is. When you connect those things, you're way more likely to be successful at it. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. And then we make sure the goals are, it's all about making progress and forward momentum and action oriented. So everything is really specific. It's realistic. We put time measurements on it, easy to measure. So all of those things kind of come into play and making sure it works for what is happening in that woman's individual life. So when we sit down and say, okay, this is what I want to do in three months, it's like, okay, well, how do you learn best? What are your strengths that you can bring to help you get this goal done? What is your typical day or your work schedule like? How are you going to fit all that in? So we work out all of those nitty gritty details to make sure that women are actually successful. That is so much more powerful than just saying, go home and like work out a few times a week and eat less sugar. Because Way you, more powerful. <laughs> yeah. When you look at that, like really specific plan, like you said, looking at the individual and like, what is, you know, I mean, you would be the perfect example. Like if the person's working night shift, that's going to look so different than if they're working day shift. You know, exactly. Just those kinds of exactly. Yep. Exactly. It's exactly. really essential to and have the- that that whole picture. Yeah. And then it's also based on science. Like the training we do at Duke is based on the science of behavior change and how to best make behavior change. And it's backed up by evidence that shows that it works. So it's like a best case scenario, a hidden gem that people don't know about. Yeah. When you reached out to me, I was looking at integrative health coach and I was like, I'm not totally sure what that means. And I feel like I've heard the term in the last year or two, maybe, but I didn't know definitively what that meant as a profession. And this is like my dream of where I want to send people (laughs) because I have such a hard time referring people to doctors because I can't find people that can really get them what they need. And then I often refer to naturopaths because they can spend a lot more time with them and get a lot more information. But it's interesting in Seattle, it's really hard to get into a naturopath because there's so many people who have switched (laughs) over that it's almost, I mean, I know like I can't, I have a naturopath and I can't even send people to her half the time because she's full. And this is like, the perfect solution for someone who's looking for more in-depth care from from a provider who can really look at them as an individual. Because I think that, well, the individuality of it, but also spending the time to look at all the factors is so significant. And I really appreciate that approach. And so I'm excited. So do you work with people in person or remotely? Oh, very good question. So I do everything over the phone. Health coaching can be done just as effectively over the phone or on Skype or in person. It all works equally well. Okay. And then is it an insurance-based practice or? or, Yeah, unfortunately, insurance does not cover health coaching. So it's all of it is out of pocket. But I do tell people to check with your health insurance company because some health insurance companies may offer health coaching. A few offer health coaching as a benefit or you can use your flexible spending money to pay for health coaching. Okay. And And then also some big employers, sorry, some big employers will offer health coaching as a benefit. So maybe check with your job. Yeah, that's really cool. I hope that this is like a direction that we're heading in the medical industry because I would really love to see medicine moving in a direction. One of the big things that you said was that it's research-based and it's science-based. And so that I think is also really powerful that you're working with practices and things that we that have been tested and have shown good results with people. And I think that that can offer so much hope for people who have been struggling or not been able to find someone who can quite help them in the way that they need. With the coaching over the phone, then is it kind of, it kind of sounds like personal training to me, but over the phone in the sense that it's you're meeting with someone, you know, like on a weekly or maybe every other week 
kind of a basis and touching base and letting them know how you're doing and then setting goals moving forward? Is that kind of how the model works? Yeah. So for me, I do, and what most coaches do is about, I do a three month package and that's based on the fact that science shows it takes on average two to three months to make a behavior change that sticks. Yes. I totally agree. um, (laughs) So I do seven sessions every other week and they're each 45 minutes to an hour. And then on the in-between weeks, we do a quick 10 to 15 minute check-in call to see how things are going. And then people can also email me at any time. So that's my personal structure. And most coaches kind of follow that structure. And I definitely recommend to people that you find somebody, if they're telling you that they can change your behavior in one session in 45 minutes, that we know that doesn't work. You know, there are no quick fixes right. to, for long-term change. So it really should be about a three-month time frame. That makes such sense. I know I've seen that in my gym environment for sure. <laughs> How long it takes yeah. to make a change. It <laughs> right, is right. Not, I mean, as much as we want to be like, I did it for three days, I'm done. Right. Like, no. <laughs> no, don't work like that. <laughs> so what advice do you have for someone who's thinking about getting a health coach? What kind of, is there homework people should do in advance or how? At, sure, absolutely. And I actually wrote an article on Huffington Post about this because I'm oh. really passionate about helping people. This is a good model, I think. It may not work for everybody, but it'll work for a lot of people. And like you said, it's really important. We need to start thinking outside of the box for improving health because people are not getting healthier, unfortunately. Right. they seem to be getting sicker. And I'll, I'll give you the link. Yeah, to I was going to say, so for listeners, we'll make sure that all the links that Nicole mentions today will be over on shamelessmom.com. And you can look up the episode with Nicole Rankins, but uh, we'll definitely link to that article because I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. yeah. So right now there are no standards for health coaching. So anyone can say that she is a health coach. So it's really important that you ask the person what training have they gone through that makes them qualified to be a health coach. Credentials are significant. Exactly, exactly. There is an organization called the National Consortium for Credentialing Health and Wellness Coaches. And that is from people in the field who have been done a lot of the groundwork in coaching, big institutions, representatives like Duke and I believe Vanderbilt, Mayo Clinic, lots of different places that are formulating standards. And it's for what is considered good health coaching training. And they maintain a list of programs. There are many programs other than just the one that I went to for health coaches that are considered good. That's really cool. Yeah. And I agree. (laughs) It's important to know the credentials of the person that you're working with. Absolutely. Because it's very similar with personal training. It takes very little to become a personal trainer. So (laughs) it's important that you know that you're working with someone who uh, has some good education and experience. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing I say is try to find someone who will do a free consult visit. So you can just sit down with them for 20 or 30 minutes and you can see what are their coaching methods. Different methods will work for different people. So you want to see their approach and then a fit. Like you have to have a good feeling, a good fit that I can talk to this person because there may potentially be a lot of personal information that's shared. So you want to be able to feel comfortable that that's okay. So the person should definitely offer a free consult visit just to um, get makes, a sense for how the coaching works. Yes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. It's like going to a therapist who you don't like. Like you're really not yeah. going to make a lot of progress. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think it's safe to say that doctors in general, and I can tell just from talking to you that you would fall into like that you're probably a high achiever and very goal driven. So how does that impact motherhood for you? Because you're doing some big things professionally following your passions, which is so amazing. Does that influence, or I'm sure it does influence motherhood for you? And how does that work to follow two really big passions and then also play the role of awesome mom every day? (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, you know, Sarah, my husband, Falcon, and I, we didn't have children so that we would never see them or never be able to be a part of their lives. So, and I recognize that it's a privilege to be a mom. I know that personally. I'm sure you, you know, you know that personally from your experiences of doing IVF and not all women get that privilege. So I really respect and appreciate that. So for me, my work and my passions have to fit within my ability to be a mom. If it doesn't fit, then it just, you know, it just doesn't work for me. And so far, I've been able to do that without too much trouble. And, I, and it's kind of a constant evolution. And I, I mean, like envisioning how this all the flow of this when you first had your girls and then shifting into like currently being a hospitalist and working overnight, and then adding in the role of integrative health coach, and you're probably doing that during the day while the girls are in school, I'm imagining. Yep, exactly. So yeah, so you're kind of building time in for all the little pieces, which is right. And it's also a constant evolution. And I I mean, I can see that from just what you've shared. It's a constant evolution for everyone. And so, you know, you grow professionally, and then you figure out the family piece, and then the family piece grows or evolves, and then you figure out the professional piece. You you got it. Exactly. (laughs) We're all juggling that. And you just keep like (laughs) reshifting the pieces of the puzzle. Right, right, right. So tell us, in what ways are you a shameless mom? Yeah, I would say, so we have a little bit of a non-traditional setup in our home. So my husband has been the one who's primarily responsible for, he gets the girls ready for school in the morning, he combs their hair hair. I mean, he has their little afros looking tight when they walk out the door in the morning. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, um, so cute. He, he, uh, he takes them to school. His schedule is more flexible. So he does like volunteering in the classroom a bit more than I do. He does like the paperwork, the field trip forms, all those kind of stuff. And for me, the shameless part is that I have no shame in him doing those things. And nice. it does not make me any less of a mother because I have to do those things. I'm still a great mother, love my girls. They know I love them. So just because I don't do some of those things that moms often do, that doesn't make me any less of a mother. I have no shame about that. I love that. It sounds like, and I've mentioned this on a couple episodes, there's this role of family manager that like no one tells you about when you have a kid. And once you become parents with your partner, someone has to be the family manager. And I think often just by default, it becomes the mom. And it's exactly the things you're talking about. It's like the filling out the forms and the making the lunches and the scheduling this, that, and the other thing. Yep. And there's no shame in that being the dad. And I've complained that it I was like, all became my job, partly because that's my personality type, just to take things on and not say anything and then be like quietly bitter. <laughs> but but <laughs> I love that you guys have done it in a way that works for you and that you can be totally shameless about. And I don't, you know, it certainly doesn't have to be the mom's role to do those things. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Cool. So tell us a little bit about the legacy you're building and how does being shameless play into that? Yeah. So when I think about my legacy, I think about three things. I think about family, think about service, and I think about love. And family is so important to me as like it is to so many people. I grew up in a great family. We're a close-knit group. So I want my children to know that family is important. And then service, firmly believe that to whom much is given, much is required. And I've been given a lot in my life and I feel obligated and very happy to give back, to be of service to women and to my community. You know, women trust me with their health and I want my legacy and my work of service to demonstrate that I lived up to that trust. So that's really important to me. And then love, when I think of love, I don't think of like hearts and rainbows and sparklies and that kind of thing. Love for me is just really a deep 
and abiding respect for each individual human, recognizing everybody has worth and value no matter what their life circumstances are and make sure I honor that in my interactions with everybody. So that's kind of what I think of for my legacy. I love that. That's fantastic. So Nicole, I want you to stick around and do our lightning round in just a minute, if that's okay. Sure. But before that, I want you to tell us where can we find you? Because I definitely, because you work with women remotely, I'm so excited that all of our shameless moms who need some help and direction with goals and lifestyle goals and just maybe getting some answers that they're having a hard time finding and just in their own community could maybe come to you and get a good sense of how you might be able to help them. So where can people find you and how can we connect with you? Yeah. So my website is www.ncrcoaching. So that's all together. Excuse me. My initials are Nicole Calloway Rankin. So ncrcoaching.com. And I also have a Facebook page, same thing, NCR Coaching. I admit, and I actually, this is a pinned post on my Facebook page that I don't post very frequently just because. Because <laughs> you're a little bit busy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so, but it is there. And if people contact me there, I'll reach out to them. But my website is the, the best place. And I do want to offer your listeners $50 off a three-month health coaching package if that's something that they're interested in. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So if they go to ncrcoaching.com backslash shameless mom, they can redeem that offer. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice yeah. of you. I will make sure sure that that is all linked up over at shamelessmom.com. And then it'll be episode with Nicole Rankins. And that is so generous of you. And I do hope that some of our moms can chat with you and learn from you and set some goals with you. Yes, <laughs> I think absolutely. I can tell that the work that you're doing is really significant and really important. And I think really unique for people who maybe have not been able to get what they want from the medical community or from even maybe like, you know, a gym membership. It's like such a great kind of a little bit of a melting pot of those different needs and connecting them in one place. So I definitely will we'll make sure that we're all linked up so people can find you. And let's go ahead and do our lightning round. So our shameless okay. mommy minute. Let's start with red wine or white wine. I'm not a huge wine drinker, but when I do drink wine, it's white for sure. Okay. White for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you like crisp or fruity wine? White or do you Fr- care? Fruity. Okay. Fruity. Yeah. And current book you're reading or the last one you read? Yeah. Right now I'm reading How to Meditate, A Practical Guide for Making Friends with Your Mind by uh, Pema Children. And I don't know if I pronounced her name right. I will link I think... to that in our notes okay. because yeah, I so... talk about meditation a lot. Do you no, meditate stop. regularly? I do. I've been a regular meditator for about four to five years. It's been great for helping me kind of grow. I have a problem, surprise, surprise, with being type A and having pain. <laughs> what? And a doctor? Problems. Type A? What? Yeah, <laughs> problems with patience. Yeah. So um, it's helped me a lot to be more patient with myself, more patient with my children. So, and I was just kind of self-taught meditation. I didn't go to any course or anything. So I just came across this book and thought it might help me improve my practice. Oh, nice. I yeah. am constantly trying to become a better meditator. I'm not very good. <laughs> I know you're not <laughs> supposed to judge your meditation. But I know, right, right. But, you, but then you always turn around and you do judge right, your meditation. Right. <laughs> What's your favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself? You know, I feel slightly embarrassed to mention this, but oh, no, I am a little, okay, I'm a candy crush junkie. Oh, you so, are? Oh, God, Sarah, I play Candy Crush, I play Candy Crush Soda, and I play Candy Crush Jelly. There are like three of them, and I play all three of them. I didn't know there was multiple kinds. Yes, there are. I love it. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) What is one morning ritual you can't live without? Coffee. I must have coffee. Nice. I I call it two cups, but it's probably like normal people's four cups of coffee (laughs) every single morning. (laughs) Who is your biggest inspiration? 
I'm inspired by any woman who lives her truth and isn't afraid to redefine her truth as needed. I personally have gone through a redefinition of my truth. Before I became a hospitalist and did coaching, I worked in academic medicine. I actually did a fellowship after I finished residency for two years to be a researcher. I thought I was going to be a researcher in a medical school, and I failed at it spectacularly. It just, <laughs> um, um, it just wasn't right for me, and it wasn't wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I did it for seven years, but I finally had to say, and that's I, I think this is also shameless. You know, I finally yeah. had to say that even though it's embarrassing a bit that I've completely failed at something, then and I'm not used to doing that, that I can redefine myself and do something new. So when I see other women who do that, that always inspires me. Oh, I love that. And I mean, what we learn from failure is invaluable, even though considering something a failure doesn't sit well, sometimes the learning that comes out of it and the things that result from that are always like the exact things that needed to happen. Right, right, right. Exactly. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? It would be the power to instantly clean up. And let me tell you, yes. (laughs) Like, I know there's some people who enjoy cleaning and I wish I did, but I just don't. I hate, I hate doing cleaning, but I recognize, I mean, obviously it's important to have cleanliness because of the germs and the dirt or whatever, but it's also important because your physical environment should be like supportive and welcoming and inviting and calming and peaceful. And it's just hard when stuff looks a mess. You would be in my office right now. You would be like, uh, Nicole, you might (laughs) want to take care of that at some point. That's so funny. I know. I, I work pretty well with a lot of piles around me and my husband goes insane. (laughs) Right, right. 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 I'm actually sitting in my husband's office now. (laughs) See, you don't need to clean yours. You can just move to his. That's perfect. That's so funny. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it. And I definitely want to make sure that we send all our moms who need a little support and a little guidance your direction. So I, again, will make sure everything is linked up over at shamelessmom.com interview with Nicole Rankins. And if there's ever anything we can do to help you, or if there's anything you want to share with us, definitely just give me a shout and come back and we can talk again soon. Thank you so much, Sarah. I had a great time and I really appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. I had so much fun talking with Nicole and I learned so much. Oh my gosh, totally blown away. So I hope that you do reach out with Nicole. If you have any questions or you're considering working with a health coach, I would highly, highly recommend Nicole. So please don't hesitate to reach out and connect with her just to see if she might be a good fit for you. Even if you just have a question or two, I think that she could point you in the right direction, even if she wouldn't be the right fit for you. So don't hesitate to connect with her. Of course, you can do that over at shamelessmom.com. You'll get all the links from this show. And as always, if this episode was helpful to you, please share it with other people. You can always share our site, shamelessmom.com where people can find all of our episodes and find this episode as well, but they can see everything that we've put out there and everything that I've created, because I think that there's a lot of moms who need a lot of things. And so I definitely want to be able to show everyone like my entire library of episodes and people can go through and pick and choose the ones that are relevant to them on any given day. So thank you for sharing the love. As always, we do have episodes coming out every Monday and Wednesday. So if this is the first time you're listening, go ahead and head into iTunes and subscribe so that you can get episodes as soon as they're released. 
you can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And from there, you'll be able to subscribe and get all those episodes as soon as they come out every Monday and Wednesday. And additionally, while you're there, you can leave us a five-star review and tell us what you loved about the show today, or if you've been listening for a while, what you just love about all of the shows. That feedback is always so valuable. And I do read all of the reviews and I do appreciate the feedback. So thank you so much. So until next time, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.